2: I can't hear you.
1: I I can hear someone... you now. No. I th- think that that was on your end. Uh super wild card weekend. One game left to go in uh, in the weekend, but we've had five pretty incredible games to start things off. It has been a wild weekend of football. Dennis, how did you enjoy things? So I had to replace the
2: wax ring in my master bathroom toilet. So now I'm getting a new bathroom floor. Um, and by getting, I mean I'm putting it in. So what should have taken me an hour, maybe an hour and a half, even giving, given my uh, relatively poor workmanship standards and abilities, um, it's probably going to take me a week and a half now before I have a bathroom.
1: So did you have to replace the floor because there was a leak or you just decided to since you had oh, to no, go no. out there? I had to
2: it. replace the floor because when I took the toilet out to replace the wax ring, my wife said, you know what? to put in a new floor
1: no good
2: okay well we'll just just tile over because we were just gonna do the stick on tiles and i'm like oh we'll just go over she's like why would we do that i'm like because it's already level and even and if we start to take it up you know we've it's an old house there was concrete there was mastic there was other tiles and it's gonna be so anyways um Sometime over the next couple of days, I'll be uh, putting self-leveler in the bathroom floor and letting it cure and get all level. Um, hopefully by by next Sunday, uh, hopefully I'll have my toilet back in place in my master bath.
1: As far as uh,
2: football went, football was great.
1: I guess no good deed goes unpunished, so at least uh, you have that project you know hopefully you can put the game on like a little ipad and...
2: so like i've been working in the fantasy football industry now for close to 5 years and like i i'm working in it every day i rarely ever take a day off i'm editing articles i'm writing i'm doing podcasts i'm doing radio i'm watching games i'm researching and my wife puts up with all of it, I'm more than happy to say, now that the season is over, I'm not running. I've just got my dining teams, and, and we're just, you know, which is a significant number of teams, about 20 teams. But, you know, it's not like I'm out trying to make deals all the time now. The season literally just ended. Most leagues haven't even rolled over. I'm smart enough to look at the number of leagues I'm in and go, you know what I don't need? Startups. As much fun as startups are, at 20 leagues, I'm going, yeah, I'm probably good.
1: I actually, uh, this is a debate for another day, but I actually sort of almost like doing orphans better than startups at this point in time. You don't have to have the pressure and concentration of drafting. You can just figure out what you're going to do to wheel and deal and get back in place.
2: Well, and, and I had a, I had a chance to do three startups because three of the leagues I'm in are Empire Leagues. And if they had, re, they were all up for reset and all, none of the three reset. Like the two teams in the Infinity Gauntlet, we had one guy, If he, he just needed to get one more Infinity Stone to reset the league and he got beat in the championship game. So now he still only has five. He's got to get one more Infinity Stone next year. So there are like four, three or four of us that have stones, and so now we're working to try to prevent him from resetting. The other two leagues, the defending champion was in the title game, and both of them lost. And so I thought I was going to three startups without adding any new leagues, and I ended up getting zero. So
1: such is life. Such is life. Well, we're going to move on to the Super Wild Card weekend game starting on Saturday. The first game up was the san francisco 49ers who got the 41 to 23 win over the seahawks this game was a lot closer than that score would make it seem like the seahawks actually led 17 16 going into the half and then the 49ers just really took it away we'll get to the 49ers in a minute but first the seahawks a lot of questions going into the offseason geno smith set to be a free agent was a Pro Bowl quarterback. Will they bring him back? But they have at least a couple of good pieces to build around. Ken Walker had another strong game, 15 carries, 63 yards, and a touchdown, which is pretty impressive against San Francisco's defense. A DK Metcalf looked incredible, 10 catches, 136 yards, a couple of touchdowns. They have some pieces on defense. Dennis, what do you think the Seahawks need to do this offseason?
2: Well, it looks like Gino is coming back. He said he wants to be back. The Pete Carroll wants him back. Everybody seems to be in line with, hey, let's get this guy back. I, I, he also said, Gino also said he wanted to test the free agent market. And I feel like there, there'll be some market, but there'll be some pause on Seattle's side to say, okay, this guy. First round draft pick or early second round draft pick fizzled out of his first contract a backup for eight years. Um, you know, Seattle is spot says Seattle's got about 47 million in cap space. So it almost feels like they might be best served to franchise tag him to make sure that this year wasn't a fluke. And then if it, if it worked, out, they'd go at him with a three-year deal next year. That will take him up till he's about 37 years old. Uh, but aside from Geno, all of their other skill position players are under contract. I mean, I'm, Rashad Penny's a free agent, but let's face it, he's been usurped by Kenneth Walker. They'll add a running back of some sort. They'll add some wide receiver depth. The, their tight end room is solid with Fanton, and Disley, and Parkinson. Uh, that they look good there a couple pieces on defense you know they were what 25th overall in team defense 30th versus the run and 14th versus the pass. so they could use a run stopper uh letting go of bobby well, wagner fortunately for them
1: they have that number five pick so
2: right so maybe the maybe they'll get lucky and uh you know jalen carter or will anderson falls to them now they uh I feel like they're in a good position. They've got decent cap room. They got a quarterback that came on that they don't have to commit long-term to. They, they can franchise tagging. Uh, and that, that will be a a high value
1: contract
2: average of the top five. Maybe they transition tagging, which puts it at the average of the top 10 and allows him to still negotiate but them to match any deal that, that he signs. Um, but, you know, because I do have – I like the story this year, but he faded down the stretch yeah. some in his effectiveness. And so there are concerns about in, – in my eyes, I have a little bit of concern about whether or not uh, this was just a,
1: a everything
2: aligned right for him, and it was a bit of a fluke.
1: Yeah, I think the age and – this being kind of a breakout and stuff is a reason why I would not use the franchise tag. I think they can get a deal done two or three years um, mid-level money. You know, they'll find a way to do a transition tag's not a bad idea or even putting um something you know, putting something else in place trying to get a a deal done i think there's a market for geno smith but i think there are other quarterbacks that will be hotter in the market and i i don't know if i'm seattle if i'm risking the amount of money you'd have to spend on a franchise tag to to try to keep him in place but i i agree they they were better than any of us expected this year and they'll probably uh continue um to have a puncher's chance next year. On the flip side, the 49ers uh had an incredible second half. They are just loaded up and down the field. Do you think they are a favorite in the NFC given their talent and the way they closed out the season?
2: I, I do think they they are just a slight favorite based on how well their defense is playing. Brock Purdy is playing lights out, and he is what did he put up? Uh three touchdowns. So after his stretch of two touchdowns per game, he's upped it to three touchdowns in the last couple games. Uh, I, I like what he's doing. He's playing composed, and it's almost like starting in college for four years provided some actual benefit, even if he didn't take big steps in progression that, that caused him to like be a first-round pick or something. You know he was a, he was the last pick in the draft, but he came in and when he got his chance, he's composed. Everybody seems to be playing well there right now. Ayuk, Debo's healthy, McCaffrey, the offensive line, the defense is playing lights out. Uh,
1: Although not in the first half against Seattle.
2: Yeah, you know you got to get warmed up, I guess. And I I like them in probably a coin flip situation is the favorite versus Philadelphia. It's close. I saw I saw a tweet earlier that uh I don't I don't think it was bet so I wish I could remember, but it basically had the 49ers as a 27% chance to win the Super Bowl. And that was the highest uh of all the teams uh still in the playoffs. I think they had um, Kansas City was like 23 or 24 percent. Buffalo was like 18 or seven, 17, 18, 19. Philadelphia was just, you know, fractions behind Buffalo and everybody else. And that's left after that was kind of in the, you know, under three percent range. So those are the four teams that right now the, the odds favor to win the Super Bowl.
1: Yeah, and I think I'm giving the slight edge to San Francisco because they were so strong to end the season and I have a few questions still about Hurts and how healthy he is. We saw him come back in that last game of the year, but he didn't look incredible. Uh, you know, and they've had another week off that may help, but I think that makes a big difference for the Eagles as we saw with with Gardner Minshew, they are not not the same team. Um, so that'll be interesting to watch. The second game on Saturday was the Los Angeles Chargers at the Jacksonville Jaguars, and it was really a tale of two halves. The Jags came out and turned the ball over at will in the first half, four interceptions for Trevor Lawrence, including three in the first quarter. That helped the Chargers build a 27 to nothing lead, but you know what? There is no lead. The Chargers can't fritter away, and fritter they did for in the second half. They were outscored 24 to 3 and end up losing 31 to 30 as Trevor Lawrence throws four touchdowns to match his four interceptions. Dennis Brandon Staley entered the game, maybe on a little bit of a hot seat. I would not say his coaching effort did him any favors. He is still the coach right now. Do you think he is back in 2023?
2: I do. I, I believe I saw earlier today that they announced he he was coming back, but they were looking at some staff changes. You know, he he honestly seemed to play this year a little bit less in favor of the analytics. It was almost like after his first couple years of being an analytics darling, he decided this year, hey, I'm going to go contrary. I'm going to be a contrarian this year, and we're going to see where it goes. You know, to me, their biggest issue was the injuries to uh, Mike Williams and Keenan Allen uh, kind of helped Justin Herbert to not play great. Then they lost a couple offensive linemen. They lost Joey Bosa. Uh, I think they lost somebody else on defense. They've got, when healthy, I think they've got all of the pieces there to make, make a run. I think Staley has to go back to coaching a little more like he did his first couple years there. Uh, for me, it it was puzzling they didn't use Eckler more yesterday. Uh, I know he scored two touchdowns, but he wasn't real productive on the ground. And, And honestly, he hasn't been this year. But even in the passing game, what, only four targets and two catches for eight yards, which, I mean, we've seen Eckler put up 12, 13, 14 targets. So in a game like this, I would have expected him to probably have seven or eight targets at least, but to only, what, he carried the ball 13 times for 2.7 yards of carry. It just felt like, you know, they missed Mike Williams, um, who are the other two cats? Uh, Palmer and- Carter
1: got hurt in the game and Carter too. Carter got which hurt. Kinda...
2: Palmer wasn't super productive. So it kind of then all fell on Keenan Allen's back. Ever had a good game, you know, over 100 yards and a touchdown. But they're more successful when they're spreading it around to at least three people. And I just don't think that third person clicked in in this game. You know, I I think going into next year, they're going to be good. But we've got to consider that at what? Eckler's 28 or 29 years old that we're getting close to the cliff for him and he's going to turn into more of a a satellite back full time that he's, you know, and he's campaigned for fewer touches to help him be more effective. Uh, He had fewer touches this game. He just wasn't more effective with them.
1: Yeah, and I think the four turnovers they got really masked the fact they weren't moving the uh, the ball particularly well um, on the offense. They got a, a lot of those touchdowns because they were essentially gifted the ball, you know, from the thirty in um, against the Jaguars. I'll be curious. I I I mean, I get not canning Brandon Staley, but I I thought they should have made a coaching change. I think in some ways their hot finish and making it into the playoffs delayed that decision. They're, they're rapidly closing the window that they have with Herbert on his rookie contract, and they have a lot of now fairly high-priced and expensive pieces all over the field, including on defense. And in, if they can't pull it all together next year, they're going to face some real tough decisions.
2: Well, you know, and and here's my thing. You are going to face some tough decisions, but you have a coach who, by and large, has made pretty good decisions. And it isn't just – he's not the reason necessarily that Herbert's rookie contract is running out. He's not the reason that they paid Mike Williams or Keenan Allen or, or, you know, uh, uh, Khalil Mack teams have to re- the way the NFL is structured now teams have to rebuild why not let the guy that you know can coach rebuild it except hey we're going to have a couple down years but we're going to make some moves we're going to try to get back as fast as we can but as long as the team is making strides uh, it to me it you know there there uh, it's easy to look at the st- Steelers and say, oh, well, Tomlin has never had a losing season. But before Tomlin, you know, they let Cower work his way through stuff. Even when Tomlin was new and he was, you know, maybe not having a losing season, but not putting up stellar numbers. Or when uh, Chuck Noll was early on in his career, you know, let those guys work those kinks out and, and understand that, you know it to me it, it just boggles my mind that you're gonna bring somebody in for a rebuild that yeah you want to turn it around as fast as possible but for three years of struggling with a rebuild then you like well hey we're still rebuilding and then somebody else is gonna come in I don't know
1: yeah I mean I get that he's he's done some nice things but I would argue that uh, Staley and some of his poor decision-making as the head coach are the reason that this was the first year that they made the playoffs. They should have done it last year. They blew several games and is in large part, the reason they're not playing this coming weekend. So, I mean, I understand not firing him. I still would have, because I don't think they're maximizing their opportunity. And in some ways, you know, We've seen this happen with other teams before. John Fox got brought into a Denver situation that needed to get rebuilt. He managed to take a Tim Tebow-led team to the playoffs and then got paid Manning and was winning divisions and going to the playoffs. But it was pretty clear that he wasn't what was needed if you wanted to win a Super Bowl. And so they changed coaches and were able to get that Super Bowl Tampa Bay back in the day made the same decision with Tony Dungy moving on from him, even though he had been successful in getting them to a certain point uh, to go with John Gruden. It ended up paying off in a Super Bowl. I'm not saying Los Angeles Chargers would necessarily win the Super Bowl, but I think there is a ceiling to where they're going to be able to get with what we've seen from Brandon Staley. Uh, On to the next Oh, onto the Jaguars. I'm sorry, I almost we spent so much time. I almost forgot about the Jaguars. They are going to go play in uh, Kansas City this week. They have had a real tendency this season to want to get into a giant hole and then fight their way back for epic victories. Is that a strategy that would work against Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs?
2: If it did, that would be something. Yeah, I don't think. I I do not think um, throwing four first half interceptions. Is a strategy I would employ against the uh, Kansas City Chiefs. Um, You know I I like what the Jaguars are doing again much like my belief that New York is a year ahead of schedule I feel like the Jaguars are a year ahead of schedule and they're gonna they're gonna play hard I I still think they've got some mistakes in them some learning to do Uh, but they've got guys that want to be there they they love Doug Peterson from all appearances and Trevor Lawrence is to me, I feel like he's, he's the real deal at quarterback. He shook off those four first half interceptions and um, you know, he just kept fighting and he just took it, you know, one play and one drive at a time to uh, uh, throw out some cliches there. And they just fought back in the defense. The defense basically was like, look, man, if you stop turning the ball over, we'll stop letting them score. And that's kind of what they did. Now, I don't think they put it that way, you know, in the locker room. And, you know, that seems like it could be taken as a bit of a divisive statement to phrase it that way. Um, But, you know, it's not wrong.
1: Yeah, I, I'm I'm with you. I think the Jaguars are probably a year too early. I think it'll be a competitive game. Uh you know, and I'll probably be pulling for the Jaguars because I have no uh great affinity for the Chiefs, but I think the Chiefs are a better and definitely a more experienced team, especially when it comes to the playoffs. Uh, On to the Sunday games. The opener was a game we thought the Bills would probably win easily. They probably thought they were going to win easily, but nothing came easy on Sunday. They do get the 34-31 to victory, uh, but Miami really put up a show, actually led for a while in the second half. The Dolphins had a pretty good season starting out 8-3 and three before hitting a tough time playing a lot of those games without Tua, who was in concussion protocol at the end. He uh, appears to be on track to return in 2023. How do you feel about the 2023 Dolphins and Coach Mike McDaniel?
2: It's, they, they've got a lot of weapons, and a healthy Tua makes a difference. They were scrappy yesterday, and and I think in part, I think Buffalo might have overlooked them a little bit. Uh, I don't say unprepared because they were certainly prepared, but they didn't expect Miami with their third-string quarterback to come out and fight like they did. And Miami, uh, Skylar Thompson, I think he's making a case that he's going to be – a good backup quarterback in the nfl but i mean you can't complete just 40 percent of your passes and expect to beat a team like the buffalo bills you know he he threw 45 passes only completed 18. he did throw two interceptions and the running game went there they only look jeff wilson 10 for 23. it was really an interim game from an offensive perspective for Buffalo because they weren't super productive or for Miami because they weren't super productive. Buffalo, you know, had some good games. Gabe Davis and Stephon Diggs, both over a hundred yards. Uh, Khalil Shakir over 50, uh, Devin Singletary, 4.8 yards a carry James Cook, a rushing touchdown. Dawson Knox caught a touchdown pass. There was, uh, even Cole Beasley caught a touchdown pass. So, it seemed like Buffalo was like clicking on offense and Miami for whatever reason, I don't know where the, it's like they had an ace up their sleeve or something and that's how they kept getting points and uh, to use an old poker parlance. Uh, I I like where Miami is. It would have been nice. I think if Teddy had been healthy enough to play uh, ultimately though, Tua is the guy you want in there and he needs to get himself right and get his head right and make a decision about whether or not, you know, the NFL is really what he wants to do. But we've seen guys before have, you know, concussion issues until they don't Uh, grant Calcaterra, the tight end for the Ravens actually stopped playing football in college because of concussion issues and took like a year and almost two years off or something. And then went back, started playing again at another school. Now he's in the NFL. He's, you know, the, I think, third or fourth string tight end in Baltimore. But as long as Tua gets healthy, I think going into next year, Miami's going to have to solve the running game. All four of their top running back, their top four running backs are all free agents. Um, I would expect them to probably try to bring back Wilson and maybe Mostert, but I, I feel like they're going running back in free agency Uh, with somebody that's a little more upscale and probably a rookie. I don't know that Ahmed, Ahmed was kind of giving up some, uh, uh, he was blowing pass protection pretty good yesterday. And so I think he's probably done as a free agent. Miles Gaskin, who's there for, I think he's probably gone as well. So they're going to need to bring in some more running backs. And then, you know, who's going to be their wide receiver three? I think Mike Gasicki's leaving via free agency. Uh, after his first three years in in Miami, it looked like he was a you know a rising star, pass catching tight end. And Mike McDaniel said, "Yeah, that's not what we do here." Uh, and Gesicki's kind of disappeared, other than having a couple decent games here or there. So I think he'll go somewhere where he can be a more prominent uh, member of the offense. But Buffalo, you know, Buffalo is just slightly behind Kansas City to represent. The AFC and the
3: Super Bowl. Football fans, the first Sunday of the NFL season is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is giving new customers a can't-miss offer to celebrate the return of the NFL season. Right now, new customers can bet just $5 and get $200 in free bets instantly. And, as an added bonus for Week 1, everybody can experience the thrill of DraftKings with early win promotion. It's simple. Bet on an NFL team to win. If your team leads by 10 at any point during the game, you get paid instantly, even if the team ends up losing. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code TPPN, that is T-P-P-N, and get $200 in free bets instantly. When you place a $5 bet this Sunday, that is code TP pn only at draft Sportsbook, sports book drafting sports book official sports betting partner of the nfl minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply see the descriptions for the episode for details
1: yeah for for miami i i think they will continue to be a competitor as long as they get the quarterback thing figured out i thought it was a little unfair the criticism leveled on the the GM, I heard a couple of people say, you know, if you're going to have two as your quarterback, you need to have some kind of solid veteran option as a backup. They did. They went and invest money in Teddy Bridgewater. It is not their fault that Teddy Bridgewater, who has, however you feel about him, plenty of starting experience and would be one of the better backups, consistently got hurt at the exact same time that Tua was unavailable. So I thought that was a little frustrating. It's, they they did try to plan. I tend to agree about Mike Gesecki, which is weird because you would have thought McDaniel coming from that San Francisco scheme would have seen Gesecki as a potential kind of George Kittle tight end. But Somehow it just didn't click there. I do like Trent Sherfield, um, who is their kind of third receiver. They also had signed Cedric Wilson from uh, Dallas during the offseason. So they have some wide receiver depth. I think they will bring back Jeff Wilson. Miami needs to gut up and actually take a running back high in the draft. They've been in position to take a couple of these guys, and, ah, we don't need to do it. Yes, you freaking do. Three years of seeing this kind of result should – should change your opinion on that. I don't know if there's any great free agent running backs unless they you know could pull somebody like a Saquon Barkley that's going to make a real difference. I think they actually need to to invest there, but I like the core. I like what uh McDaniel did. I was going to ask you, did you happen to see the uh clips of him apparently vaping on the sideline? Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. Um, you, kind of you reminds know, you of the 1960s when you see like Lombardi <laughs> G-
2: you know Jim Leland of the Atlanta Braves used to smoke heaters in the dugout and you know Sparky <laughs> Anderson of the Reds you know just whatever kids nowadays
1: on the you know, I mean, how close the game is, we probably should have figured it would be closer than we thought because Miami and Buffalo, I sometimes you just match up well against a team. Both of their regular season games were incredibly close. It was more about what the defense was able to do to kind of contain Josh Allen and the offense and give their own offense a chance. And I think we saw that again on Sunday. Quite a few turnovers for Buffalo, which is sometimes a problem. Both you and I liked Buffalo coming into the playoffs. Does this game do anything to change your feeling about them as a contender?
2: Not really. I mean, they, they're, they played a playoff caliber team and that, that played them tight. Uh, Allen missed on a couple passes that I think could have, you know, extended the lead, opened it up a little more. Um, overall, not worried at all. They've got a, I don't want to say. I think to to characterize them as a well balanced team, I don't think is right, uh, because they don't they don't run the ball exceedingly well. They tend to be very pass heavy, but they run it adequately. Their defense has playmakers, Matt Milano and uh, the Edmonds guy. I forget which one it, it is of uh, the brothers. There, we've got some good defense. Tremaine back, Edmonds. Tremaine, um, and then that – you know. They've got a couple guys on the defensive line, Phillips, and uh, uh, I think they got – I think uh, Gross Matos might be there as well or he's in Carolina. But they got a, a Greg uh, who, who, Rousseau from out of the University of Miami uh, on the defensive line. So they can get after the quarterback. They've got a good defense. And the way they run their offense, it runs through Josh Allen, and that's just how it's going to be. So, no, I'm not worried about them. I think uh, I'm looking forward to a, you know, a Kansas City um, Buffalo matchup or Kansas City Cincinnati matchup. However, it goes. It's, we've got, you know, the, I think the top three teams in the AFC are better than the top three teams in the NFC.
1: I don't know about that. I, I like San Francisco, uh, and I think Philadelphia has potential beyond beyond that. Obviously, right? two. have the top two.
2: Well, with the top two in the AFC, I said <laughs> top three.
1: Yeah, <laughs> and that's where the chasm begins. Jeremy well, be uh, <laughs> later. <laughs> um, I like. I still like the Bills. I picked the Bills as my preseason team to go to the Super Bowl, and gosh darn it, I'm sticking with them. I think it would help them. There's a good potential that Micah Hyde might be able to come back even as early as this next game. It is going to be fascinating to see what the emotions are like with the Cincinnati-Buffalo matchup in the divisional round. Um, You know, It's not that we haven't seen it coming, but it's definitely going to be an interesting one. On to the middle game of Sunday, which, I have to be honest, was my favorite game of the weekend so far, and that was watching the Minnesota Vikings do what we pretty much thought the Minnesota Vikings were going to do, which is come out as a dominant high seed and choke away their playoff appearance, losing 31-24 to a red-hot Giants team. We'll get to the Giants in a minute. Dennis, the Vikings won a ton of close games, which is what helped prop them up toward the – I believe they actually won 13 games, won 13-4 and four this year, which is a pretty impressive total. Everything broke right for them in that it was a down year for the Packers. They were able to go through there, and yet we had this whiff of uh, them being frauds throughout the season in various games, and we saw it again here to the to the point that their defense just got gashed, all over the field. And then you had curious things like a fourth and eight where the game is on the line and Kirk Cousins dumps it off for three yards to the tight end, doesn't even target Justin Jefferson. What do you make of the Vikings going into 2023?
2: Well, the defense is bad and needs a lot of work. Um, it, you know, it made enough plays throughout the season against teams that maybe weren't playoff quality, but it made enough plays. That's why they, you know, you're in a lot of one score games because your defense has given up points. And that's a way to, you know, you you learn some fortitude. I think that, that's good for them going forward to kind of learn how to handle that pressure and that stress. But they need to learn how to put teams away and not keep, let let teams stay in it. I don't know I don't know how long Kirk is still gonna be in Minnesota you know they have a first year head coach they're gonna make some changes um, they they don't have a lot of salary cap room so I I think what happened was they just you know they they hurt Kirk in a position to have to do too much and that's just not the type of quarterback he is and When that happens, they end up having games like this where, you know, they probably should have beaten the Giants. I think they might've been better than the Giants, Um, but the Giants just outplayed them yesterday. Uh, They they have to figure out their salary cap. I expect that they're going to lose Madison and Irv Smith, to free agency. Irv was back, caught a touchdown. Uh, They're probably going to, Cut Adam Thielen, which is going to leave them with 16 and a half million in dead cap. But they could, uh, I'm not sure what the hit is if they designate him as a post June 1 cut. Uh, They can spread that out over two years, help the salary cap uh, issue there. But they're going to have to make some other moves because they need help on defense. And if you get rid of Thielen, is KJ Osborne really ready to step up into that role? Or are you going to have to bring somebody in? Uh, if they let Madison walk with Dalvin Cook going into, what, his sixth year now? Um, maybe seventh year?
1: He's 27, 28 yeah, years old. I think it is. It's, I think it's his seventh year.
2: And, you know, he was spot on four years yesterday, but they only gave it to him 15 times. So, you know, he had 16 yards. It feels like they left a lot of yardage on the table for Cook yesterday, that he was running well enough that they could have – eaten up more clock, they could have put themselves in better situations. But we'll have to see, you know, O'Connell is a first-year head coach to make it to the playoffs, win 13 games, is an admirable feat. Now we're going to have to see what happens. What are they going to do with their defense? They really need to remake their defense. Um, Are they going to solve the issue with them eliminating Justin Jefferson from their offense? You know, it isn't like Jefferson is bad at contested catch situations. I mean, there's highlights of him making those kinds of catches in Minnesota Vikings uniforms all over the Internet. Just go take a look. You know, Jefferson is one of those receivers that uh, he's always open, whether he's covered or not. Just throw him the ball. Let him go get it.
1: I don't even mind throwing to TJ Hawkinson in that situation because he's a great player, too. My I don't understand. Yeah, I don't understand running a three-yard route and pumping it to him. I still think they have some offensive line issues, too, that they've never totally figured out. But the biggest question is, to me, continues to be Kirk Cousins. He's good enough in most situations, but in these Pressure games, and when the spotlight's on, it just has not you don't worked. Like that. Yeah, it just has not worked. I mean, and they have a huge investment in there, and I don't. You know, he's obviously not the kind of quarterback you just throw away and say, "Oh well, we can find anyone better." But it just, it just has not worked in the years that they were there, and you tended to think maybe. Some of that had to do with Mike Zimmer, with whom he never seemed to get along. They had a more successful regular season with Kevin O'Connell. But the fact you and I both picked the Giants on Friday, and I saw the NFL Network pregame show, four out of their six analysts also picked the Giants. We People were making jokes most of the month of December that the Vikings were going to be that classic 12-win team that got – that lost at home in the first round of the playoffs. And here, here we are, Uh, you know, we could see it coming. It just wasn't working. And I don't know exactly what they, what they do to fix it. They feel like they have more talent than that, that they should be better than what we've seen based on the, the kind of pieces that they have. And you're right. Taking, taking Justin Jefferson out uh, just makes no sense. Uh, on to the Giants, Daniel Jones, uh, 24 of 35, 301 yards, couple touchdowns through the air, had 17 carries for 78 yards. Saquon Barkley only had nine carries with 53 yards and two touchdowns. And Isaiah Hodgins, eight for 105. I wish Matt was here, he would have been, been thrilled getting a touchdown. The Giants' offense looks good. They got kind of thumped the first time they played the Eagles, and then they played. Pretty close in week eighteen, while not playing any of their starters, they've been fairly hot. How do you how do you rate the Giants as a contender here?
2: They, you know, they're a classic "quote unquote" got a puncher's chance team right now because they are hot, and it's a situation where if things break their way, they're going to make plays. But we saw yesterday, you know. Darius Slayton, for as good a game as he had, had a couple bad drops that, you know, one of them looked like it could have been a touchdown. Uh, Isaiah Hodgins is killing it, though. And I expect he's going to roll into next year as one of the top three wide receivers on the Giants. I still think they need a a true alpha because I don't know that Hodgins is that guy. Um, But maybe he is. Maybe he takes another step in his progression. And and steps up. Jones played a good game. I, you know, Brian Dayball is a damn wizard when it comes to quarterbacks, and I'm like, I almost want to see him coach Ben DiNucci and see what happens. But the Giants, it's, I I think that they're in a situation now where they're gonna go in and play the Eagles, And, and honestly. I think the Eagles are going to be favored, and rightfully so. Um, and if the Giants lose, I think, you you know, you hold your head high, you go into the offseason, and you get back to work, see what you can do to fill the spots on the team. There, I think it's important for them to bring back Daniel Jones based on the season he had. I think he earned that shot. Uh, Track estimates his value at a three-year 76 $1. $0.6 million contract, so about $25 million a year. It's kind of the upper end of the mid-quarterbacks, mid, mid, mid quarterbacks, I guess. Uh, you know, he's not getting $40 million like some of these other cats. But let's go in there. Let's re-sign Daniel Jones. Let's bring back Saquon Barkley. Go out, draft it, you know, Quentin Johnston. Go draft somebody like him. Jordan Addison, you know, a, a real alpha kind of deep threat wide receiver. Uh, Johnson's probably more of that than Addison is. Keep building on the offensive line and keep plugging in that defense and just let Brian Dayball keep working with Daniel Jones because whatever he's doing is working.
1: Yeah, that's what I was going to say. The pressure's completely off because anything the Giants get from this point is gravy. A lot of People, myself included, didn't even think they would be above 500 this season. They made the playoffs. They looked great. They went into Minnesota. They got a victory. I think it's going to be a competitive game, but this is probably the situation where, you know, it's. we've thought the Giants were a year too early and need a few more pieces. I think they're a year too early and they need a few more pieces. The Sunday night game ended up being a lot closer than I anticipated as well. The Bengals get the victory 24 to 17 over the Baltimore Ravens, but it was very tight and very tightly contested. We'll get to the Bengals and their offensive line issues in a minute, but the Ravens, Struggling on offense with no Lamar Jackson was a theme throughout the end of the regular season. Kind of continued here. Huntley made some nice plays. Mark Andrews made some nice plays. J.K. Dobbins looks like a real weapon. But what do the Ravens do this offseason? Do you think Lamar Jackson is back? Man, I
2: think it's a coin flip. I I feel like we're headed towards a franchise tag and a holdout. I, I can't for the life of me fathom why he wouldn't have traveled with them for a playoff game. To me, that just that that tell that feels to me like he said, you know what, screw you guys. I'm going home. I'm moving on. I'm done. I, I told you what it was going to take. You said, really, that doesn't seem fair. And I said, no, really, that is fair. That's what it's going to take. I haven't budged off what I'm looking for. You don't want to pay it. I'm gonna move on. I I it's wild to me that that he wasn't there. I just I it it boggles my mind. I think Huntley played as well as he can the fumble. I get it. He stuck it out there. He wasn't close to the I get what J.K. Dobbins was saying. I know. He kept a-
1: saying, I broke the plane. I broke the plane. I'm like, yeah. I'm sorry. The plane yeah. is that actually a yard, yard further on. <laughs> yeah.
2: So, you know, but, man, Mark Andrews got some speed. I know, granted, he was, you know, chasing defensive linemen, but he looked a hell of a lot better than those two refs trying to keep up. That's for sure. Um, uh, I think they're going to have to franchise tag him and then work something out. Maybe they transition tag him. I can't remember the last time a transition tag has been used just to allow him to go and see what other teams are willing to give him uh, because then they can match that. And I think part of it is that they just – you know, he wants guaranteed money, and I don't know if it's that the Ravens don't have the money to be able to guarantee it. Or if they're just like, no, we're not going to do it because when you guarantee the money, you know they've got to put all that money in escrow to make sure it's there. You can't just say, oh, we're guaranteeing this and we'll get it each year. You know, that's that can be problematic for some teams with cash flow problems. I don't know where the Ravens are with their cash flow stuff.
1: I mean, I imagine okay. they just them that. to have
2: about forty minutes space going into this off season, so it feels like they've they've got room to be able to get a deal done with Lamar, but they really need to improve the wide receiver group. I feel like they need – so Hollywood Brown showed one of the things that they need is they need that really, really fast deep threat, but they need it in a package like MVS has. They need a 6'3", 6'4", 4'3 guy. They don't need a five foot ten. 175 pound, four three guy. They need a big dude. Andrews is, is a big dude, and and the way that offense runs, if they had somebody like that, I don't think MVS is the answer uh, because he drops too many passes. I know Darius Slayton is a free agent, and I think he drops too many passes. But they need somebody that has that game changing speed, that's a big wide receiver, and and I think that will kind of create a different aspect in that offense for them. I just don't know where they're going to get it.
1: I agree with you. It was a bad look that Lamar wasn't there. And I think it speaks to how broken that relationship is. I think also the fact that he was posting his own medical information, essentially intimating that the Ravens were being dishonest about his condition and making him look bad shows you that there is fundamentally a fracture in the relationship. I don't know if they will franchise tag him. They they should, they could. I doubt cap space is a problem. It's going to be hard to cry poor when you just splashed out a five-year, $100 million contract on a linebacker you acquired during the season. I it's It just seems like there's been some kind of thought within the organization that it's not worth the risk. Maybe Kyler Murray getting paid is both – a driving factor for Lamar Jackson and exhibit a for why the Ravens don't really want to go that route because a couple of these guys, you know, the argument for Lamar Jackson has been that a couple of these guys have gotten huge paydays and the argument for the Ravens would be a couple of these guys have gotten huge paydays and it has screwed their franchise. So you can kind of see it from both sides. He's going to get paid some from someone somewhere I just feel like the Ravens might be teetering on the edge of trying to do something fundamentally different with their offense and moving in a different direction. But it'll be curious to see how the off season plays out because aside from Mark Andrews and JK Dobbins, the cupboard's pretty bare. I liked the Rashad Bateman pick, but in two years, we haven't seen anything. And beyond that, when Sammy Watkins is your best receiver in 2023 and you're being unironic, that tells you something. For the Bengals, you know, one of the things they worked really hard at this offseason was fixing the offensive line, and for the first 15 games of the season, they had the same starting five, and they looked really strong. They have lost an offensive lineman every game since then. They lost both linemen on the right side, their guard and their tackle, and last night they lost their left tackle as well, and it seemed like you could start to see that taking a toll on their offense. They're now going to flip face Buffalo in Buffalo. Should we be starting to get concerned about shades of 2021 with the offensive line in Cincinnati?
2: Yeah, I, I, I think they upgraded the offensive group overall. They upgraded the starters. Definitely a couple guys that started last year were moved into backup roles, but now, you know, that Jackson Carmen's going to be playing left tackle. They got a rookie at, uh, uh, left guard Ted Karras, I think, is the only healthy starter from the the uh, beginning of the season. Now,
1: their rookie left guard was has been a starter all year too, but he's still a rookie left guard.
2: Right. So maybe maybe Karras is a guy who missed some games too. But
1: no, K- I- Karras and the and the rookie guard are the two guys that are still there that have played every game.
2: So. To me, you know, here's here's what we know about Joe Burrow. He he's like a Timex watch, you know. He takes a licking and keeps on ticking. We saw that last year against, ten um, something crazy like that, seven times, nine times. They sacked him a lot, and Cincinnati still won. So Burrow is gonna make. I think the right reads and the right decisions now Buffalo's got a pretty good defense. So there's going to be some cat and mouse play between the two teams, but Cincinnati has all of their top receiving options, Boyd Higgins chase uh, and Hayden Hurst all there. Um, it was interesting yesterday. They were talking a little bit in the game about uh, Joe Mixon and not being as uh, getting as many snaps in passing situations uh, because he hasn't been blocking very well. That Samaj P. Ryan has been the guy that they're that when they're passing the ball and, and maybe not necessarily involving the running back in the passing routes, that Samaj P. Ryan is the guy they want in there. Uh, and P. Ryan actually outsnapped him yesterday, I think 28 to 25. Now, Mixon had a lot more touches, um, what, four to one in uh, targets, eleven to two in carries. But P. Ryan was on the field. I, I think that it's a situation where Cincinnati's going to have to have a good plan because we could be looking at a, a a Joe Burrow game where where he he gets a whooping and he takes a lot of sacks just because the offensive line is falling apart. That's what happens. You you have to have a next man up mentality and you keep building your backups to be better and better and better. And hopefully it's worked for Cincinnati. Uh, We'll see. It's going to be an interesting game.
1: Yeah, I am a little worried about the offensive line. I think the, the, what, What stood out to me is they had to adjust their game plan a little bit. It makes it takes some of the vertical threat out of having a T. Higgins and a Jamar Chase. They were talking about at one point that Jamar Chase had done like nine button hooks or something. Nine button hook routes or it had nine button hook route reception targets. And you're just kind of like, well, I mean, they they did enough. And Baltimore has a good defense. But you know what? Buffalo has a really good defense too, and an opportunistic secondary, and they probably have a just as good of a defensive front, uh, you know, up the middle as what Baltimore has, and I think that's going to be uh, something to watch and something uh, to add a wrinkle to this. But like you said, the the Bengals were able to overcome that and some of the deficiencies last year until they hit the Super Bowl uh, and weren't able to quite pull it out. So hopefully. Uh, we'll be thinking good thoughts for Joe Burrow. There is one more game and it is tonight. Uh, Dennis and I did a full preview for this last Friday. Both of us picked the Cowboys at that point in time. I'm going to give you a chance, Dennis. Are you sticking with the Cowboys or did Ryan Jensen's return make a difference for you?
2: Um, I, I think that I'm sticking with the Cowboys. Jensen's return certainly bodes well. I mean, they have uh, now what one third of their interior line from last year back. You know they're still playing a couple of um, pretty poor guards. I, I I like. And if Tampa wins, will I be surprised? I won't because you just kind of go into playoff games with Tom Brady as the quarterback, recognizing that he he could win it. He could win it going away. He could. You know, We've seen him and Mike Evans have a phenomenal game earlier this season where Evans put up, you know, 200 yards and a touchdown. We've seen him and Chris Godwin have games where Godwin has has had 14 or 15 targets and put up a phenomenal game. Uh, It's going to be, I I feel like it's going to be a good game. I, I still think Dallas pulls it out.
1: Yeah, I'm sticking with Dallas too, but what what I want to see uh, two things from Dallas. First is Dak Prescott needs to clean up the interceptions and the kind of shoddy play that plagued him at the end of the season. They were able to overcome it at times, but you're in the playoffs now. If you throw one or two interceptions a game, you could doom your team. I'd like to see that cleaned up a little bit. And also, Dallas's defense, they were red hot at the beginning of the season. That's arguably one of the reasons the Cowboys, with Dak missing time, were actually able to stay in it and get to 12 wins. They had some lapses down the stretch of the season, allowing some huge performances, especially from some of these AFC South teams. They had some them. lap
2: dances allowing for some huge performances?
1: Lapses. Oh. Lapses. Um. You know, so I hope Micah Parsons and they they need to get pressure going, uh, and they need need to play a little bit better because no matter what, the the winner of this game is going to San Francisco, and we know San Francisco is coming to play on both sides of the ball, so they need to get ready for that. But I, I'm still picking Dallas, and I'm hoping for a good game here to close out Super Wild Card Weekend. Super. Well, Dennis, the weekend's almost over. Going through the rest of the week, people are probably going to have some downtime. They don't have lineups to manage. They might be looking around trying to consider what they should do. What should the people do with that free time?
2: They should cruise on over to their favorite podcast platform and subscribe to the Fantasy Football Roundtable. Give us a rating and a review. Help, download, listen, don't listen, whatever works for you. Just get that download for us.
1: We will be back on Friday. At least Dennis and I will be back, probably Matt as well, looking at the divisional round games, four big games coming up, some very intriguing matchups. Until then, I hope you guys all enjoy the Monday night football game to end wildcard weekend. Prepare
0: for glory. I don't know if you got your popcorn ready. Do you got your popcorn ready? I came like the moon, I'm ready. And he's hit the end zone for an unbelievable touchdown. I would be honored if you played football for this team. Throw it up above his head. They can't jump with me, Godly. Only oh, tackle them a forty yards. Who can make a play? I can't. Who can make a play? I can't.